0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, Ville Church. It's good to be with you again. Um, Pastor Jay is uh, improving his health. Uh, He... uh, was much better this week and uh, was planning to be with you this morning, but uh, he um, was swamped with trying to catch up from being sick the week before, so he asked me if I would step in again, so I'm, I'm glad to be able to do that. <clears throat> and So uh, yeah, I hope you had a good 4th of July uh, and was enjoyed that time and uh, yeah, we're just uh, in some interesting times, but uh, it's good to be with you, good to share God's Word. And So let's get started. Um, we're still in the Rooted series, and I'll remind us again that the scripture that we take as our basis for the Rooted series is Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. It says, therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, establishing the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And last week, remember we talked about the life of Joseph and saw some ways he was rooted Uh, in God and his relationship with God and uh, we talked about three ways really we said being rooted in Christ means we know the value of God's word and our growing our commitment to obey his word another way for the life of Joseph we realize that being rooted in Christ means growing our trust and submission to him to sovereignly be working in all things in our lives whether they be pleasant or painful together it works together for for his plan so it may may be conformed to the the image of his son Um, and then third we said being rooted in Christ means learning to trust God with our pains of injustice and wrongs and not seeking uh, to exact vengeance on those who have mistreated us. It means growing in our understanding of the grace we've received and trusting Christ to extend this grace through us to others. And today I'd like to take another view of thinking about rooted and you know I have a degree in agriculture, studied agriculture. When I think of being rooted I think of plants and I think that's a visual image that most of us think of or could think of. Um, And so I started thinking, what does it mean for a plant to be rooted? What do roots, the root system or roots, provide for plants? And So I I looked up and I realized there's three things roots basically provide for plants. First, they anchor the plants to the ground. Uh, They provide stability and security. the roots provide the strong foundation so that when the wind blows and the rain falls and the animals brush up against the plant, uh, it stays upright. It stays, uh, if it gets knocked down, it can maybe stand up again because the root systems are strong. Secondly, the roots supply the plant with water and nutrients from the soil to grow. Uh, they seek out pockets of moisture, so whether it's a, the rains are there or whether there's a, a drought, they can continue to grow because the roots are find moisture for the plant and basically they're the source of life for the plant. and then third roots store finished food so the plants can grow continue to grow year after year Uh, many times uh, the root system is the the food that we eat the potatoes the peanuts those are the stored fruit in the ground and and if we didn't need them they would use those to keep growing and some some plants do that they they store food to keep the plant growing and so I think similarly, when I think about being rooted in Christ, he is our anchor and our foundation in life. And he is our life. We have life in Christ. And apart from Christ, we do not have life. And he provides all we need to grow in him. If you think of a plant as rooted in soil that is bad or not good for the plant, the, the plant will need to be uprooted, taken up from that soil and planted in soil that is good, that is good for the plant to grow. Uh, that will allow it to grow. Um, and, th- and this is a one-time act in plants. You, you, you could re-uproot them many times, but after a while it damages the plant, it can't recover. But you uproot them and, and replant them, uh, and then they can grow. Uh, they can't do it themselves. Uh, they need someone or something to uproot them and, and, and re-root them. Uh, uh, it, it is a stressful uh, event for the plant uh, to, be, to, to, to be uprooted, but once it's in the new soil, it can grow well and flourish uh, like it's meant to do. Uh, <clears throat> and the, but the longer it stays in the bad soil, the weaker it becomes and the harder it becomes to, to grow again, to flourish <clears throat> as it, it was meant to do. And I think in Christ, God has done this uprooting and rerooting for us. In uh, Colossians 1.13, it tells us, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Before believing and trusting in Christ, we are rooted in Satan's kingdom. We are putting down roots there. We're seeking life in that kingdom, in that domain. But we know that Christ does more than just uh, uproot us. He brings us from death to life because all of our roots in the Satan's kingdom is, uh, lead to death. Uh, but Christ tra- uh, transfers us in his kingdom where we have life. <clears throat> By grace through faith, Christ reroots us or saves us <coughs> Oh, excuse me, into his kingdom. Unlike plants, this rerouting for us is both a one time event salvation when Christ takes us from the domain of darkness and puts us into the kingdom of his son. He makes that, he does that. And he also, it's a lifetime of increasing in our experience of this truth, of the truth that we are in Christ's kingdom. And we're learning to submit to him. That's sanctification. When we continue to trust in Him to continue to grow us in Christ, continue to root us in Christ, leaving the roots we've had in the past. <clears throat> it says, uh, We often, though, try to hold on to our former rootedness. We, we, we have these roots go deep and we don't want to let go of those roots, those things we believed in and put our trust in and look for life in. And so, but God, by His grace, continues to uproot us so we can experience. Life in him, really life in him. <clears throat> and if we live a long time in the domain of darkness, it may be, uh, take longer for us to experience the life God has for us. It can take longer to really experience and live in that life that God has for us. And we need a desire for that life. And David sums up his desire to be rooted in God in Psalms 63, where he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you. My soul faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. David knew and understood that life was only to be found in God. Only God has life. And so that's why he could say, my soul thirsts for you. My soul, my flesh faints for you. Uh, as w- the land that needs water is for our life, our very life. Uh, he says, my soul clings to you. So he, he, he abandoned everything in his pursuit of God. He, nothing, nothing satisfied him. It says, your steadfast love is better than life. My soul will be satisfied. He understood that. Only in, only in God would he be satisfied. His desire for God affected everything in his life. Nothing compared to knowing and experiencing God in David's life. That was true of David. It was also true of Paul. He had a similar desire to know God. In Philippians 3... Eight through 11, Paul states, Indeed, I count everything as loss because I have the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection "...and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead." To say Paul was sold out for Christ is an understatement. His life, his life motto was summed up in Philippians 121 where it says, "...for to me for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain." He considered it to live is Christ. There's no other reason to live is for Christ. And if I die, it's gain. I'll be with him forever." So he was, he was sold out. So we could truly say Paul was rooted in Christ. But before Christ, what was Paul rooted in? What did he look to to find life? Before knowing Jesus, where did he look to find life? I'd like to look at Paul's rootedness before Christ, and maybe we can see some areas in our own life. I saw it in my own life. Some things I, I I want to be rooted in and continue to be uprooted from so I can be rooted in Christ. In Philippians 3, 4-6, to 6, Paul writes, just before he writes about uh, considering everything loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, he writes this, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. What was Paul looking to? This is what he looked to before. These are what he said. This is, I had confidence in these. These were going to give me life, but they didn't. He found life only in Christ. Let's look at these one by one. Circumcised on the eighth day. That, that, That reveals his Jewish identity. He could boast of his relation to the covenant God had made with Abraham. He had the token of God's covenant in his flesh. He had been circumcised. And on the very day which God had appointed, he could say, I I put my roots in this. This is what I have confidence in for life. and then The the next, it goes on, it says, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, his cultural heritage. He put roots in his cultural heritage, his trust in his cultural heritage to give him life. The city of Jerusalem was in the, the tribe of Benjamin's land. And in the city of Jerusalem, we know that's where the temple was, where God was worshiped. That's where it stood. And even in history, uh, when the, the nation of Israel was split and ten tribes uh, went with one king and two tribes went with the other king, uh, Judah was one, and Benjamin stayed with Judah uh, to form the, 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 the nation of, of, of Judah. It was the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. And, he, and, and, uh, and uh, Benjamin stayed with them. After all the other revolted, after the death of Solomon, Judah stayed true, or Benjamin, Benjamin stayed true to, to Judah and to, and to God in that. And Benjamin was his, the, his father's darling. He was the last born of his father in the, 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 the leaders of the tribes, uh, and he was a favorite tribe of the time. So he said, this is my cultural heritage of the people of Israel. And We know the people of Israel were God's chosen people, and more than that, of the tribe of Benjamin. So he could, he, could, he could say, this is what I put confidence in. This is where I, find, where I find, try to find life. His social status. He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul was an Israelite on both sides of his family, both father and mother. And from one generation to another, he could look back and say, look, none of my ancestors have matched with Gentiles. We are not polluted. Our ancestors are not polluted. And so I can be proud of that. I can put my confidence in that. I can look to that to bring me life. And then he said, as to the law, of Pharisee. This was his reputation. He put confidence and his trust in his reputation. He was a Pharisee. It was the strictest sect of Judaism. He was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, an eminent doctor of the law. He was, a, and he was a learned scholar. Paul was a learned scholar in the learning of the Jews. He knew. We read his writings. We can see the depth of how much he knew. Uh, and he was taught in the, uh, according to the perfect manner of the laws of the fathers. He said, I am a Pharisee. It's the law, I'm a Pharisee. This is my reputation, who oh, I am. And I put confidence in this. I put roots down in this. In his achievements. He said, as to zeal, he's a persecutor of the church. He was very active in what he believed. And he, he, he showed it by how he, he persecuted the church. He made a strict profession of his faith in Judaism under the title and character of a Pharisee. He so believed and so followed that, and he persecuted those who looked upon his enemies, which were the followers of Christ. This was his, he was proud of that. Look, I'm a persecutor of the church. I was zealous for Christ. This is what my achievement, they speak for themselves. And then finally his character. As to righteousness under the law, blameless, he said. As far as the Pharisee's exposition of the law went, and as to the mere letter of the law, and the outward observance of it, he could acquit himself the breach of it. It could not be accused by any. He said, show me, show me any place that I have failed in keeping the law. I am blameless and I put my roots, my trust in that for my very life. And I think of myself, I, like Paul, was rooting myself in things other than Christ to find life. And I, like Paul, was not finding life in those things. I think in my identity. I look back at my, my life and my identity Before Christ was in my American Christian identity. I grew up in the church. I thought I was a good person. I was baptized at 19. I believed I was better than those who didn't care about the church. And I believed my church was the right church. I was also an American. I was proud to be from a Christian country as I saw it. My American values were the same as my Christian values. For me, America was the greatest country on the earth because we were blessed by God, okay? And so to be an American and to be Christian for me was synonymous, and I put my roots down in that. My cultural heritage, I grew up in the South. Uh, my, my Southern heritage is, was very important to me. We in the South believed we were better than others, especially those we considered Yankees. I was proud of my instruction in history and culture. I was proud of our friendly, of our friendly reputation of the South and our, how we treated people with friendliness. Well, to those who were friendly to us, at least, and, and, and treated us respectfully, we would treat, we'd treat them the same. So I was proud of that. and we could say, this is who we are. And I was even proud of my southern accent. <clears throat> oh, no, this was my cultural heritage, and I put roots in that. My social status, uh, my social and ethnic status, where I put my roots. My family was proud of our work ethic, and we often heard stories of how hard our grandfather worked to provide for our family. We didn't have much, but we worked hard and took care of what we had. I was taught I could be anything in life, except lazy. That was unacceptable. And so I, put, I took pride in not, saying I was not lazy, I worked hard. And I was told that no matter where I went in life, I was always be proud of where I started, and where I came from. And then we were also taught that God made us different from others. And because of these differences, he wanted us to live separately, especially sadly from blacks and Hispanics. We believed other than going to school and working together, which was mandated by the government, we should remain separate. If we were really honest, though, I look back at myself, we believed that because we believed we were better. We were superior to others. My reputation, I put my roots down in my reputation, which was my self-righteousness. I was proud of the fact that I didn't do anything to bring shame on my family or the church. I was told there was a right way, right way to dress, a right way to talk, a right way to treat others, a right way to live life. This is the way to do it. Uh, the church taught me this. The worst thing that, was, that, that could be happened to someone was to be caught doing something shameful in the eyes of the church, like drinking alcohol or reading any Bible except the King James Version or asking questions that challenged their religious traditions and becoming too friendly with those different from us, especially those from a different church or a different race my achievements. I put roots down in my achievements and uh, for my family and my community. I was the first in my family to attend college and, and one of the first for my church to do so. As I did well, my family, so did my family, and my church community. I was looked upon to be a leader for my younger family and church members. And I was in many ways made the poster child for the youth at my church. And they said, look how well Tony is doing. So I, I took pride and I put down roots in my achievements. This, this this is what I looked to bring me life. And finally my character. Which was basically my outward representation. I was considered to be a good young man. I was able to fool my family and church to believe that I lived an exemplary life. I always prayed that my church friends wouldn't see me with my school friends, and vice versa. I basically lived a double life, but I believed if I did good enough, like teaching Sunday school and helping with the youth and attending all church services and helping with the elderly in the church, that God would see that I was at least trying to be good. That was enough for many to believe that I was a young man of outstanding character. But when I came to faith in Christ by God's grace, I began to be rooted in Christ. And I began to see areas that I needed to be uprooted so I could be rooted in Christ. I could begin to see their ears that Christ wanted to take me from that I was looking to for life and to root me in him, the only true source of life. And I begin to learn about the Christian life, that my identity was to be in Christ. In Galatians two twenty it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My identity was to be in the crucified Christ, and I was crucified with Christ. My cultural heritage changed from my community and my culture I grew up in to be identified with the body of Christ, the church. In 1 Corinthians, in in the church in in, in the global sense, the church in all its beauty. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. In God's eyes, we're not different as we see differences here. He sees our heart and he sees our need for salvation and as he brings us together as a church. So I need to put my confidence in my cultural heritage, in my church, by my, the body of Christ. That's where I would find life, in Christ. My social status. No longer was I looking at my, my reputation or my, uh, uh, what I thought was important, or you know who I was, or uh, that I was better than somebody else. But in um, Matthew 26 to 27, Matthew 20, 26, 27, we realize that we are to be the servants of all. The Bible says, "Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave." Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. My social status was not to think of myself as better than anybody. But to be a servant of all, as Christ showed us, he came to serve, not to be served. My reputation. I was no longer bracing my reputation on how good I was or what I thought about me. But it, I, I was to see myself as hidden in Christ. In Galatians 3, 3, it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I know who I am because of who I am in Christ. That becomes who I am. That's my reputation is how people see Christ. They see me. My achievements in Christ, as I don't look at what I do or what I can accomplish or try to accomplish, it's all based on Christ's work on my behalf. In Colossians 1, 21 to 22, it says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. I was doing things that I thought were good and, and but it said they were they were they were I was doing things hostile in my evil deeds and even in that he he, he reconciled me in his body uh, of flesh by his death he did that so my achievements are put aside to look at what he's done for me and my achievements only have value in, when I base it on what he's done for me and then finally my character in Christ It is all based on Christ's righteousness, none of my own, all of Christ. In Romans 3, 21 to 23, it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I cannot put myself up as better or more righteous than anyone else. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way I'm righteous. And my character is based on who Jesus is and his righteousness. And So when I decided to follow Christ, and I began to understand this, I had a desire to follow him even in missions. And I was accepted to join the staff of crew. And I felt, okay, I'm really now becoming rooted in Christ. And then when I was accepted to assigned to serve in Africa, I thought, okay, I've arrived now. They can see that I'm really living my life as rooted in christ and i in my mind i was going to africa to serve god but i didn't realize at the time that god had a plan to continue uprooting me from more of the things apart from christ that i was looking to for life the things that i was still holding on to 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 see life in them rather than seeing my whole life as in christ And, and i realized he he had to take me to africa to up to root me deeper in Christ my Lord and the uprooting really and rerouting actually started before I left from Africa for Africa <clears throat> part of the preparation to go overseas with with crew at the time was uh, we went through a, a three-month overseas uh, intensive training and to do that we lived cross-culturally in the United States and so they had a training base in south central LA in Watts and so I was assigned to live with a family in Watts, to really get immersed in the culture and live there for, for, those, for that period of time, for three months. I never experienced uh, anything like that in my life. And so I was assigned to live with a, a black lady and her two nephews, uh, my roommate and I. And so I, I so vividly remember being taken to her house the first day we arrived in the community to meet her and to get settled in. And the man who took us, he knocked on the door, she came, and he said, oh, Aunt Dovey, it's great to see you. I've got two young men that will be living with you for three months. And she said, welcome. It's good to see you. And, and I remember watching him reach out and give her a hug and kiss her on the cheek, and immediately in my mind, I had this thought, you may kiss this black lady, but I never will. And I thought, well, where is that coming from? I thought I was uh, you know, a strong follower of Christ. Where is, where is those thoughts coming from? And as I and God began to show me, there was areas I was holding on to, in my upbringing, in my before Christ years, that was that I hadn't been uprooted from, and He was going to use this experience. And I remember living with Aunt Dovey for three months, and I remember when I first got there, I, I decided I'm going to keep this very superficial. I'm just living with her. I'm going to get very close because. You know, I'll be here three months and I've got other things to do, other things in my mind. And so I wasn't going to, you know, expose myself to her, be vulnerable with her in any way. I was just going to be with her for a period of time. I just, I didn't feel like it was necessary for what I needed. But God had other plans, thank God. And so um, I remember before I would leave in the mornings to head out for my day of training and, and being involved in the community, she would say, young man, where are you headed? Just as I grabbed the door to go out, I'd sit, uh, I said, I'm headed out at W. She said, oh, no, no, not, not for you come back. Let me pray for you. And so I'd come back to her, and she'd sit me down, and she'd pray over me some beautiful prayers for my safety and my care and my what God was going to do in my life and learning. And then she'd send me off. Then in the evenings, we'd gather again and, and share about our experiences with her. She cooked meals for us and served us. And every day it was this way. And so after about uh, three or four weeks, I realized, let me just go and sit down with that W. She's not going to let me go out the door without praying for me. And so my, my God began to change my heart, and he began to show me that uh, there was uprooting things in my life that need to be uprooted to make me further rooted in Christ and to see uh, people as he saw them, not as I had been taught to see them and other th- things in my life. So <clears throat> I remember after three months and I was ready to leave, the last day I was with her, I was telling her goodbye and we were both in tears. We were crying because we didn't know if we'd ever see each other again and, and really we, we never saw each other again. That was the last I saw her. But I just remember thinking, this lady has become my sister in Christ. She's become my, my beloved sister, someone who loves me and, and I've learned so much from her. And I, I, I saw her differently, definitely different than the first day I saw her. And God had uprooted uh, the, 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 the things in my life that I had been taught so I could be more firmly rooted in Christ. And it was through Aunt Dovey and her love for me. And I, I, think, I thank her forever. I thank God for giving me that experience. And then this uprooting and rerouting continued in Africa. <clears throat> My roommate in Africa, who I spent the three months in uh, cross-cultural training, we went to Africa. We were so, so different. I may have shared this with someone before. We were so different. I mean, everything was different. Our families were different. His was educated. My mother didn't have the formal education as his. His father was uh, a man of, great, of many resources. We were limited. Uh, they talked about world events. He sat around their dinner table. We talked about our neighbors. Um, we, they um they they traveled the world we we traveled our state uh we just we, we were so different even in our view of christianity his his view was he was he viewed the the uh the freedom he had in christ and i, I viewed the holiness that God has called us to and i realized later they weren't the, they weren't different they were just uh different ways of, of of seeing the christian life we are to be we are free to be holy in christ but i didn't realize at the time and I, I remember um, learning about him and live, trying to live with him and just really struggling because we were so different. And, I, and you know just his, the way he viewed things and lived his life. And, and it came to a head once when we were um, together and we had already got to Africa. i only been there a short time, maybe a couple of months. And we were in a, a game reserve where they people go and, and see the animals, the African animals. And they, have, they build these beautiful lodges to sleep in and, and to have your meals in. And we were there. We, uh, someone had asked us to go and use an air truck to to uh, pull a truck back to the city. and had broken down, so we were excited to do that. And they paid for our time there, so we went down to do it. And while we're there, after dinner, we're sitting around uh, just uh, talking. And he looks at me and he said, um, "Do you mind if I have a beer?" And I thought he was teasing. I thought he was pulling my leg. I thought he was just being uh, you know just just being crazy. And I said, "Yeah, no problem. Just kind of play along with him." Well, he went over to the bar and bought a beer. I had never seen that in my life. And growing up in my upbringing and my rootedness was that, that Christians do not drink alcohol. Just do not at all. It's not, uh, but I'd never met someone who could drink with self-control. Never met that in my life. And I remember growing up, though, everybody I knew that drank, drank basically to become intoxicated. That was the purpose of it. And so in my upbringing, you just didn't do it. That was It was just not something you did. And I watched him come back and... And drink the beer, and I struggled. I thought, oh, Lord, this man, I don't know if he's a believer. I don't know if he knows you, Lord, if he's going to do this, and what what have I got myself into? And, but then as we lived together, and I, I I worked with him, I saw his heart. We spent time together. I realized he had a heart for Jesus, and, and this was not something that uh, that was in control of his life. He was pursuing Christ just as I was, and I, I began to see that, wow, what a powerful difference, and I, and, and I had to be uprooted from some of my deep uh, understandings and beliefs and be rooted further in Christ. That it wasn't about uh, abstaining. It was about so much as it was about uh, self-control, which is one of the fruit of the spirit. And so I thought, Wow, God, you're 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 pulling things from me that I didn't want pull from. Me. I thought this was secure in this, and He said, No, this is not what it means to be rooted in me. And so I learned from my friend. We we lived together five years and became a brother, a deep brother. I became so committed to him that I remember going back to my home and meeting people who had a similar understanding of me previously of of the alcohol and the and, the, and drunkenness and all and, and drinking it. And, and I was defending him before my friends and saying, no, you know, you can have self-control. You don't have to give into this. And God can give you self-control. And I, I remember that I had changed so much. God had uprooted me from things in my life and, and rooted me in Christ. And, and, and to say, you know, yeah, it can be abused. Anything in our lives can be abused but Christ has given his, his spirit for self-control. And so I, I learned so much from my friend and, and living with him and God uprooting me from the things that I held on to that I thought there was life in that, but he said, no, the life is found in me and in Christ. And, and then my African brothers came around me and they welcomed me and they, <clears throat> they made me a part of their, their life and their family. And I had one dear African pastor who told me when I first got there, he said, you know, young man, you know a lot but you don't know how to live in Africa. I'm gonna teach you to live in Africa." And he did. For the, the first three or three or four years there, he became my African mentor. And he taught me how to live in Africa, how to respond to things in Africa. And I, I'm so grateful for him and his love for me. And I saw them as being different culturally, but very much like me in their heart for Christ. And I, I learned so much from them. And, um, and, and even uh, when I got there, I found many of them spoke English. And even though I was proud of my Southern accent, I realized really quickly, if I'm going to communicate, at least in English, I can't speak with a southern accent. So I had decided, well, am I going to be understood, or am I going to speak with a southern accent? So I began to let that go and uh, release that. My my, my my pride in that began to, and my, my desire to still be connected to my southern, southern heritage began to be released so I could be more rooted in Christ. And And I remember once I was asked after a few years in, in one country they asked me to move to another country and to be the leader of the country and I remember thinking well they, they've seen that my potential and my leadership abilities and I'm the right man for this job I have language skills and I have leadership abilities and I'm the right man I remember I went to that other country and <clears throat> served there for six years I went in with a full of confidence that I was the man six years later I, I came out very humbled that God would use me and all my failings and all the things I did wrong and God still His work uh, continued and it, 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 it grew even in, in in all my failings. I saw that, and and God said, Your trust is not in who you are and your achievements and what you can do. Your trust you put your roots in Me, and I'm the one you need to be rooted in. He showed me that through those six years, and and I remember one of those episodes. There was a young man who was on my on my team, and uh, and we had some falling outs, and I was had some issues with him, and. Uh, what I felt like he wasn't respecting me and my leadership. And, and I struggled with him. And I, and I, once I, I, I found, I caught him uh, lying to me. And so I, then I took it on my mission to get him to, to uh, agree. And so when I first approached him, he, he refused. Uh, he didn't lie to me, but I found some evidence that he had lied. I pursued that for months. I pursued it and pursued him to get him to, to confess. And finally, in the end, he did confess that he had lied to me. And and he said, I'm sorry I did that, I, I did lie. And then I, I asked him, I said, why, why did you lie to me? Why didn't you tell me the truth? And he said, I was afraid you would use the truth against me. I was afraid you would hurt me with the truth. And I wanted to say, no, no, I just wanted to know the truth. And as I started to speak and say, no, that wasn't right, God convicted my heart and he said, he's, he's right, you know you and your self-righteousness and your belief that as the leader, you're right and your confidence in yourself there was wanting to use that against him because you didn't agree with him. You didn't really know if you want him on your team and God humbled me and God showed me that I was rooted in what I thought was, was right. And it was not Christ. And, And so I remember confessing that to him and asking him for his forgiveness of my attitude, and how I treated him. Uh, and then, and then being re-rooted in Christ and, and seeing that Christ is the one who who is I give my confidence in, and he is the one that reveals truth. And his truth is not to condemn us, but it's to bring us more to a firm relationship with him. And so throughout our time in Africa, I remember, you know, just uh, we used to talk to people and say, you know, we served in Africa, but Africa, actually Africa taught us. We thought we went there to teach African people, but Africa, the African people, God through that, our African brother and sister taught us so much. And we are so enriched by our time there. <clears throat> and a lot of that time though was uprooting me from things that I was looking to for life and from my upbringing and other, other things in my life. And re rooted me in Christ, and it would happen over and over again. And and some of the things we did were were quite uh, humorous. And uh, we Connie and I used to say, you know, we, we we need to learn to laugh along with the Africans as they laugh at us, because they're not going to stop laughing at us. We are, we, we, we were just uh, uh, people that were that were laughable to them, and it was it was funny some of the things uh, that we we got ourselves into. But Africa changed me, uh, changed me to say. I need to let God uproot me. He uprooted me from physically from my home and took me to a physical place, but he also uprooted me in many ways spiritually so that I might be rooted more firmly in him. And, and even today, the uprooting and re-rooting continues. And I believe it will continue until we are with Christ in heaven, As long because as long as we live on this earth, we have an enemy who wants to tempt us to believe we can find life apart from Christ. He wants to say, there's life in these things. There's life in, in, in these, these things that you hold on to. And Christ is saying, let them go. Let me uproot you from that and, and root you in me, because I'm the only one who can give you life. And although the uprooting process is painful, when we have to because we have to face in it, we have to face our sinfulness and the deceptiveness of our hearts. And I pray, though, that we'll, we'll continue to welcome the Spirit's work in our lives. You know, and I believe some of what we're going through as a nation in America right now is a part of uprooting us as Christians from our long-held beliefs, especially in the forms of racial issues and upho- uprooting us from that and rooting us in Christ. And I pray that we'll allow him to uproot us and root us in him and be rooted and built up in him and not in what we have held on to for so long. And I pray, my prayer really is that we'll be able to say with Paul, uh, as he said in in Philippians, uh, when he said, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for your desire that we be rooted in you, even more than our desire for that. And you are working constantly to uproot us from things that we continue to want to be rooted in to find life and root us in your son. So I thank you for, uh, for that, for continuing to do that and continue work in our lives. And I thank you that you have uh, transferred us from the, kingdom, the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your Son, and you are continuing to work in our lives, that we might be conformed to Him and be rooted in you. So we, I pray that we will continue to be uprooted, so that we might be rooted in Christ. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.